All right, we are live on Monero Talk with uh, Rirar, aka Diego, or vice versa, Diego, aka Rirar. How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good, Doug. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so uh, y- you kind of reached out to us. I think you you had some things on your mind you wanted to talk about. Um, I think uh, you were, you had some 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 deep thoughts on open source in general. And how important it is in the Monero community. Yeah, so if you for want, sure. If you want to I, kick I, off, kick off the rant, and I'll, uh, I'll ask questions as you go. Of course. Um, first of all, I don't know how many people are presumptuous enough to say to reach out to you guys and say, "Hey, I'm going to be on a on a future talk episode." So just just be aware of that. Um, <clears throat> but I'm glad you guys said yes. Uh, it entertains this delusion that I have that I'm somewhat important in different places of the world. So yeah, I, I think the thing I wanted to talk about most was mostly about open source. So as you know, and as I've spoken about many different times, as most people know, Monero is built on many things. You know, uh, we have kind of this commitment to decentralization, this commitment to privacy, this, and a lot of things contribute to help make Monero what it is. And I think one of the things that is the most taken for granted, I think one of the things that, you know, people know it's a thing, but we kind of just shrug it off because, yeah, we mostly take it for granted. It, everyone knows that Monero is open source, Right. Monero is open source. Anyone can do whatever they want with it, and anyone can uh, fork it and um, <clears throat> make their own versions of it. And it's we we kind of take that for granted because all the cryptocurrencies are like that. But it's not really talked about how important something like this is and how it makes Monero what it is, and what are the consequences if it was to go the other direction. And then even like um, you know when we talk about licensing and stuff there's different kinds of open source softwares uh in terms of something that is more permissive versus something that is copyleft and so we can kind of touch on that a little bit as well so yeah why why has this been on your mind lately was there was there something in particular that kind of kicked off the thought something that you were witnessing in the community or, or um, what what uh, what triggered the yeah actually you know so i i have a little a side project called Cypher Market where I sell merchandise for not only Monero, but for a few other open source projects. And I've been pouring a good amount of work into that these past few days. Um, and in this project, Cypher Market, we pledge to give 50% of our profits to the project in question. So if you buy something from BISC, for example, a BISC merchandise shirt, we give 50% of the profits to BISC. Um, so a little plug there. But really, as I've been working on this type of thing, it's kind of reignited my fire for open source technology. Um, as I've often said Monero was my first open source software. You know, I wasn't super into technology or anything before Monero, before I got here like two and a half, three years ago. Um, But ever since I discovered Monero, Monero actually became my gateway to the world of open source, which I almost immediately fell in love with. And just this, this whole idea of um, a compassionate heart behind open source software that says we are going to pour time, resources, money, whatever it is into providing things for free for other people where they have control over what's on their computer, over what they're running. And um, it's such an awesome idea. It particularly is empowering to marginalized type peoples, um, people who are poor or impoverished and who don't have access to traditional resources um, to be able to do the the amazing things. Like let's say, let's say there's a, uh, a guy who a photographer right but he doesn't have the the kind of money to purchase the adobe products uh like lightroom or photoshop to be able to edit these photos maybe he could pirate them um <clears throat> depending on how he feels about that but you can also download the open source version like gimp or something like inkscape that has similar capabilities they're not usually up to snuff they're not usually industry standard just because um 
they don't have all that money that's poured into the UX and, and all those different things that the Adobe products have, but they're quite good and they actually are getting better and improving all the time. And so this allows this photographer to me, who maybe only has enough money to invest in a mediocre camera to have access to free resources that he can use to build and make money. And maybe someday he can get, you know, Adobe or something like that. And so it's actually very important. Uh, open source software as a whole is very important to the world. And, and just this idea that Linux is used as kind of this, the, the, the kernel of Linux is used everywhere in like fridges in cars in almost every appliance you can think of they have this this linux kernel and linux is open source so really open source runs the world and we really don't notice it we really don't think about it we kind of really take it for granted um and so it the you know moving towards cryptocurrencies bitcoin was released as open source software and we're very glad that it was because we can vet the code and we can um fork it and make litecoin and terracoin and all these other nonsense but there, there's more to it than just being able to fork it and make your own changes. And there's also more to it than just being able to vet the code and make sure that um, what you're running on your machine is what you think you're running on your machine. It's, you know, at its core, Bitcoin is a public and transparent ledger. And Monero is as well, because you can look on a block explorer and see certain things, but you know most of the information is, is obfuscated and, and um, privatized in one way or another. But you can still go into a block explorer and see a certain amount of things, which allows us to kind of uh, see whether everyone is in sync with each other or not. And... <clears throat> Yeah, I think that I think the, the the marriage between crypto and open source is a perfect one, right? Because I mean, uh, uh, open source in the past. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've obviously heard the term open source for years before mm -hmm. getting into crypto, uh, but never. I'm not a programmer, not a developer, so never really had uh, a reason to get involved, and I never really kind of totally grasped the concept. Like I, I heard the term. Mm -hmm. uh, I never really grasped what it meant or how it, how it actually worked, um, you know, how the business model worked. And I think, I think uh, what crypto has done, it's kind of taught the world what open source is because mm -hmm. uh, it's getting people involved that normally wouldn't be involved in an open source project because it is bootstrapped by this new money that we're making, right? So, you, I mean, there is that reason to get involved, if not just to kind of be a part uh, of the ground floor and make money as the mm -hmm. open source project grows. So, I think I think it is a perfect a perfect marriage um, for me. Like I said, I mean that that's kind of what got me. You know, I hate to say it, but I think that's what got a lot of people involved. Right? Was just kind of yeah. this idea: if I if I buy some Bitcoin today, it'll be worth more tomorrow. Uh, most certainly, I was interested uh, in the ideals as well. But I mean, it it, it helped. That uh, you know, my my time invested would actually potentially turn into something, and yeah. then even with this show, right? I mean, I do this show um, essentially for free with the help of others. Uh, it is you know kind of a hobby right now. Maybe it will turn into something more down the line. But just I, I'm getting there's 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 as the show grows, it helps Monero, and as Monero grows, any investment I may or may not have mm -hmm. uh, grows as well. So it's it's kind of the perfect marriage for uh, for open source, right? It's kind of it allows open source to be bootstrapped. I feel like right. It's open source with incentives, and actually that does that does a couple of good things and a couple of bad things. So like you said, and for me as well, it, it allows cryptocurrencies to be a gateway to the world of open source because otherwise people really wouldn't 
look in that direction. So that's that's really cool. And I actually think that's an opportunity that Monero has because as I often say, you know, Monero is not a one-stop shop for privacy. Um, and Monero is not perfect in terms of privacy. And many of the things that you need to do to keep your privacy is have actually a privacy tool belt composed of many different open source softwares that are focused on security and privacy. And all of those things can compensate for each other's weaknesses and stuff like that, right? So like using Tor, password generators um, to generate strong passwords and uh, Monero and all these different things will help keep you uh, safe if when used consistently together. Um, so Monero has the ability to kind of be that gateway to this to this big world, and that's kind of that's one of the good things. But you know, it does have drawbacks as well. This idea that um, cryptocurrency as a whole is open source, because the funny thing about open source, but especially before cryptocurrencies, is the whole idea is giving away your work for free, right? And there's different licenses, there's different licensing in terms of how it can be used. Maybe it can be used for personal, but not, not commercial. Or maybe, um, you know, the, the big debate is permissive versus copyleft. This idea, permissive is like you can do anything you want with it with very few restrictions. And copyleft is this idea that if you fork it and change it, what you make also has to be open sourced. You can't change the license. Um, whereas permissive, you can change the license. Um, and so copyleft people, their idea is if I'm going to open source this, I'm going to make sure that somebody can't just tweak it a little bit and close change the license to something closed source and do whatever they want with that. It has to be open source forever and ever and like linux is copy left if you um fork one of the um linux distributions and make your own it has to be open source it's kind of a mandatory part of the license um and monero is licensed permissively meaning you can fork the code and close source it you know you can do whatever you want in, in that sense um so going back to my original point like Open source technology was never about the money. It was about different ways of getting stuff out there for free. And then cryptocurrency came along, which is also open source, specifically Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is all about the money, not necessarily all about making money, but all about being money. So Bitcoin occupies this very strange space. And we see it because it's so idealistic. The reasons it was launched was so idealistic. And so in a sense, Bitcoin was also not all about the money while it was being money. But because it was money, sorry if this is a little hard to follow, when people forked it because it was open source, we see this whole ICO culture, right? Big corporations coming around different things, which ends up which ends up being, once again, all about the money. And it's because that line is so fine between being money and being all about the money, right? Because that line is so fine in the Bitcoin community, um, it's so it's so easy for one misstep to go into ICO culture versus this idealistic we're trying to change the world culture, which is really at the root of open source. So when we say that Monero is all about trying to change the world, Monero is all about trying to give this stuff to the people who need it most, all that kind of thing. These are actually core values of open source as a whole. Monero didn't get these necessarily from Bitcoin. It did, but Bitcoin got these values from open source as a whole. So really, all of our under uh, all of all of our foundational ideals come from open source. And that's why it's so important. And this this whole idea of being open source and our heritage of open source-ness is very important to grasp. Because if you if you don't grasp that heritage, then it's it's only a hop skip and away to these things like ICO culture and corporations and stuff like that. And <clears throat> I see where you get I know I totally see where you're getting at because it was uh the the incentives behind uh, crypto works so well that it 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 created this uh, these kind of freakish version of what these things are supposed to be, where it just became only about the money, 
and not about open source and creating something that's you know supposed to change the world. Um, and it started to become a little bit perverted and misused, mm -hmm. but it, it, it seems to be, you know, it seems to be kind of this natural thing that will tend back towards the norm and, uh, the true open source projects are the ones that will prevail. At least that's part of my thesis. Monero certainly being one of them, uh, Bitcoin being one of them. Uh, I mean, do you do you have an opinion there? I mean, do you think at the end of the day, the cream will rise to the top and the cream being the, the one that is true money and also uh, truly open source? I don't know that I would use the word prevail. I might use the word persist. As an example, in an economic downturn like we saw at the end of 2017, a lot of ICOs and a lot of these corporations shut their doors, right? Because they ran out of money and you know they they didn't manage their money well or they lost all their money in the crash. Whereas something like Monero, we suffered in terms of raising money for the forum funding system and stuff. It was a little bit more difficult to get people to open their wallets. But there's always going to be a core group of idealists that are working on this, not for the money, but for changing the world purposes. So it's almost like no matter what comes, uh, whether it's rain or shine, we will persist. We will keep going. Right. We have um, that, that baseline there that's always right. going to continue to charge forward. In terms of prevail, though, like I, this I'm not sure. And, and this is... Open source has a lot of drawbacks. And one of them, and I, I kind of discussed this in, an, in another interview with another person recently, I think. Um, one of the big drawbacks of, of open source as a whole is this idea that we don't have the money generally to attract top talent. And I wouldn't say that's true in Monero community because we have a lot of great people working on fantastic stuff. But as a general rule, people are maybe working on this in their passion, out of their passion or in their free time. And when people are like, oh, I'm top talent, I'm going to see who can, uh, I know I'm top talent, who I'm, who, I'm going to go to a job that's going to pay me what I'm worth. So these people go to places like Google or Microsoft if they're coders or if they're UX designers, they're going to find a, a promising startup that they could be a part of and get on the ground floor and stuff. So in terms of top talent, Open source software kind of shrugs their shoulders and goes, uh, we have like this forum funding system that you can request money, you know, and, and they're like, eh, yeah, but see, I know that I'm worth something and I don't want to shortchange myself in terms of what I'm worth. And I like what you guys are doing, but there's also this um, selfish. And when I say selfish, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, but the self-interested focus on improving my own lifestyle or, you know, getting mine in terms of I'm smart or I worked hard in college or whatever it may be. So I want my uh, good comeuppance to come out of that. Um, yeah, no, I, I get you there. But, so, but then back to your original example, I mean, Linux managed to, you know, take take the lion's share of, right, kind of being the backbone of things. That, that's correct. That's correct. But um, when we when we look at the rich people of the world, right, we see people like Bill Gates, who made tons and tons of money. We see people like Steve Jobs, who made tons and tons of money off of Apple. And then there's also Linus Torvald, who is one of the guys behind Linux, if not the main guy behind Linux. And he never pops into mind because uh, no matter, like, I actually don't know how much wealth he has, but nobody really thinks about this guy as one of the top richest guys in the world because he's probably not. So yes, Linux has managed to take over things and it has managed to become a very powerful force in the ecosystem, but um, in the digital ecosystem at large, but you don't, you don't view these people as people of power or people of um, wealth in this kind of space. So when people are like, oh, I'm going to be the next Steve Jobs or I'm going to be the next whatever, they don't think to themselves, I'm going to be the next um, 
guy who works on Linux and changes the world in that way. You typically don't hear that when you have people projecting their goals for the next 10 years type. But thing, it, right? yeah, but I, but I do think it has changed now with crypto. So like the, you know, the researchers, you know, behind Monero, the, the mm -hmm. cryptographers and the, the developers, I mean, these guys are making money, right? I mean, that they're making money off of the donations, and then also if if they bought a little crypto from day one, they're doing they're doing quite well. Right. So every hour of work they put in, they're seeing real returns, as opposed to like the Linux, where it was like more of a I'm just building something because because I, I think it's cool, and you know it's going to be uh, some you know something that people use. Um, this they they really do see returns so i mean it it is different right i mean it's getting there yeah and there's actually you know a lot of fun business models that do arrive from something that's open source like we use a lot of open source software where people are selling the product they're like we can as an example one of them is like we can launch it for you and host it on our servers if you guys aren't like system administrator type people we'll host it for you even though it's open source and you pay us a monthly fee similar to all this stuff um that is proprietary but if you have the capabilities to do it yourself, by all means, download the code and, and launch it on your own servers, which is what Monero does with like our Taiga, Taiga instance and Mattermost and stuff like that. But they do make some decent money. Um, others like Ubuntu, which is a Linux distribution, they're more like, um, okay, everyone can download and use it for free, but if you would like support, that's paid. Like anyone, like if you don't wanna pay for the support, you could go onto forums and figure stuff out yourself. But if you want paid support, somebody who knows what they're talking about to do stuff, um, you can uh, you can pay for the support and they make a decent amount of money that way. So along comes cryptocurrency and we start shifting the conversation a little bit, right? So you talked about Monero and how people are able to make money with Monero. And it's that's very true. Actually, Monero has been a shining example of how an alternative way of funding production can be successful. So many people were very worried and are very even are continually worried about you know what happens when the funds dry up, what happens when the whales won't give anymore, what how can we get more the tragedy of the commons, how can we get more people to donate? And so other people like Dash, other cryptocurrencies, they're like, well, let's solve this problem by taking a percentage of the block reward. So there is always going to be perpetual money, right? So Zcash does this in the way that they, they get a percentage of the block reward and it goes to very specific people, um, people like Zuko and the Electronic Coin Company, and they decide how to distribute. Dash does it in such a way where they try to be a little bit more decentralized. It goes to a, a treasury, they call it, and you vote via your master nodes where it goes. So in theory, there's not a centralized group of people who get to decide where this money goes. Um, the step further in decentralization is what Monero has done, where they say, look, there is no obligatory giving of funds anywhere. Like with Dash, even though the master nodes get to decide where it goes, it still comes out of the block reward and you can't say anything about it if you're a miner or if you're a user or whatever. You can't just say, no, actually, I'm not going to give this to the treasury. It's part of the protocol. So when you mine that block, there's an understanding that it is going, um, that 10% of that is going to the treasury. Whereas with Monero, if you mine, all the money that you get is yours. And it's up to you. Do I want to support Monero? Do I want to keep going? Am I in it for the short-term profits? I'm going to sell it right away. And I don't care what happens to Monero. Which um, which makes it more purely open source, right? And and more purely permissionless. 
Yes, right. it makes it very much more permissionless. And there's actually this this big misconception that the community crowdfunding system that the core team has set up is the only way to, to properly raise money. And that's not necessarily true. Monero is so committed to this decentralization and permissionless society that we're trying to bring about. Like the CCS is one way to do it. But let's say I don't trust the core team because they are the core arbit they are the arbiters of the CCS right let's say i don't trust them right, i can so do alternative funding i can say hey i'm diego and i'm going to i would like to make this type of video or this type of website um, and i don't want to use the CCS go ahead and send to this address and i'll start work once it's reached 100 monero and here's my view key or whatever else i want to do obviously that's going to be very dependent on reputation in the community on trust that other individuals have in me versus the people that are like, yeah, but we trust the core team more. We would prefer if you use the community crowdfunding system. The core team does not have a monopoly on fundraising, right? Whereas the Dash um, decentralization uh, um, masternode system or the Zcash electric coin company have that monopoly type thing. It can be argued that you know in Zcash, somebody could post an address and say, I'll go ahead and do this if you raise me this much money. But people will say, yeah, but there's already 10% of the block reward going to these guys. Why don't you ask them for money? So it becomes kind of a, an effective monopoly um, despite it not being intended to be so. Right. So then back to that question. So do you think that would help Monero prevail versus something like a Zcash, which isn't as truly open source because of these uh, other other, uh, you know, this other type of business model they're using? Yeah, I would say we face similar problems, but um, with added twists. And so w when I say that, I guess, I mean, when 2017 crash happened, we saw a lot of corporations closing their doors or maybe at least heavily downsizing, right? If they had a hundred people that they staffed, then after the downturn, they can't pay all those hundred people anymore in terms of dollar value. So they have to slash it by 50 people or slash it by 80 people. In some cases, slash, slash it by like 95% of their people. So now they only have like five people working on it. In the worst of cases, they close their doors entirely. Right, they just went bankrupt. They said, "Okay, we can't, we can't continue working on this protocol." Monero, make no mistake, Monero really suffered as well. When we were super, super high, everyone was like, "Oh yeah, I can give to this system, and I can give to this proposal, and you know, I got the money, I got the spare cash." And then when we went down, because we went down with everything else, people became a little bit more, "Yeah, but see, I'm not as rich as I used to be, so I don't know." And as well, the other added benefit is that when Monero is high, if I need a thousand dollars and Monero is almost um, $500, then I only need two Monero, right? I only need two Monero. Whereas now with Monero 50 bucks for a thousand dollars, I need 20 Monero, right? And so the amount of Monero also changes. So, mm -hmm. uh, based on that, so the, the, the community crowdfunding system, if you look at the amount of donations that it gets, you know, on a bigger proposal that takes a little bit longer, we'll see something from maybe 40 to 60. Um, a lot of times we do rely on whales who will give a ton of money. As an example, for the new random X audits, you know, there was a whale who very generally, generously gave whoever you are, you know who you are, claps to you, gave a thousand Monero to see that happen. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, but if that person didn't do that or something, it'd be it'd be a bit of a, a struggle. It'd be a, we'd chug along at a much slower pace because there's this tragedy of the commons. Well, I, I'd rather not give money, and other I know other people will give money. I know this will get funded eventually, and I'll get to reap the benefits while not giving of my um, Monero myself. So you know that that could be one of the arguments of Dash is like, well, if we didn't have a system like we have, which kind of forces everybody to give a little bit. 
rather than a few giving a lot and everyone else reaping the benefits of that. So um, I would say we face similar problems because the downturn did affect us similarly in that um, we didn't have as much money to go around. But what's funny is a lot of these people were like, okay, I'm willing to work for a little bit less in the meantime, you know, because they're so passionate about this type of thing. They're like, I'm willing to work for a little bit less or um, yeah, something, something like that. And, you know, as a, as a general rule of the CCS in general, actually, we like to see volunteer work. We like to see reputation before a person's proposal is even funded. So there's kind of there's this kind of culture where we like to see people giving and giving and giving before they're funded for any money um, at all. Uh, and that kind of keeps the purity there, like we were talking about that purity. Because if I could just pop in and say, "Hey, I want money," then I could be a scammer who doesn't intend to do anything. I could be, right? I could be anybody. Whereas if you say, "Yeah, but we'd like to see a little bit of volunteer work first," the scammers are going to be like, "Yeah, but." I want money quickly and now what by doing nothing. So I'm not going to volunteer anything. I'm going to go find another coin to scam. So it, what the CCS, one of the great benefits it does give us, even though we face similar problems, is that the purity of the people who actually do say that they want to contribute is generally quite high, right? Uh, it doesn't mean that all projects get done in the sense that maybe there's some burnout or maybe people lose time because like there's this one guy who had a kid and so and then he wasn't able to finish his proposal because he was too busy right but in general um the the hearts of the people are really into it they want to see monero succeed not just for money reasons and th this th this subtle line that goes through that goes through the entire core of all cryptocurrencies is so important because it shows the direction that the project will go long term. If the project is self interested in money, and it's going in this direction in this direction instead of straight, it's very slightly to the side, and sometimes it's very barely perceptible that it's going slightly off to the side. But over a long period of time right? It is quite far from the center where, where you thought it was going to be. And it's just because little by little, each decision was made to, yes, but will this make us money? Yes, but will this increase the price of the coin? Yes, we hear these ideological passionate reasons about how it's going to help the marginalized. And if we make this move, it'll actually help people in need. But will this help the people who have purchased the money, I mean, the, the currency, make, uh, make that currency go higher in value? Whereas something with Monero where we're like, okay, this random X is actually a really good um, point where it's going to make CPUs a lot more competitive with GPUs, right? And so people who have heavily invested in GPUs are you are many times upset that we're looking at something like random X because they're going to lose a lot of their investment. Um, and so they may leave Monero. There's been some people that are like, well, if you guys do this, then I'm going to take my hash rate elsewhere. Right. So they may leave Monero. So Monero may go down a little bit or some people may sell Monero because they don't like what we're doing or any of this type of stuff. But we're not looking at, OK, what, what are we doing about the short term value? If we were caring about the short term value, we'd be like, OK, we can't do this, guys, because there's going to be too many people that are going to leave. And, you know, it's going to be bad. We're thinking, how do we keep the network decentralized? Right. How do we because when it's decentralized, it's more uh, it's it's more secure. The chain is more immutable and uh, the privacy stays very robust. So how do we keep this network decentralized? There is a commitment here, a pure commitment. To our ideals, and that really comes from a lot of these people coming from kind of an open source background. Mm -hmm. um, so I also think, too, I mean, even if, you know, uh, it's it's people being idealistic but it's also seeing uh, smart people with a long-term vision trying to build digital cash 
Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, uh, the digital cash, if, if Monero does become that, I mean, it's kind of currently that today, but if it, if it remains as that, um, it will be worth more in the future than it is today. I mean, bottom line, I mean, if it gets adopted globally as digital cash. So instead of thinking short term, uh, thinking long term and thinking, what do we need to do to create this utility, uh, make a long term investment, make sacrifices now. Uh, and not worry about the short term, but realize, you know, if you do, if if it does get adopted as this utility where it's digital cash for the for the globe, it, it will be worth plenty. So, I, I mean, as idealistic as people are, as we are, it's also you will it, it, if Monero succeeds, people will do very well. So, I mean, that's kind of it's not like you know what I'm saying it's not like we're uh, everybody's ignoring the money aspect. It's just they're making smart decisions and trying to build something that's sustainable that will be worth even more money, right? Very, As opposed very, very to trying right. to get like make the short-term grab, you know, instead of right. making the short-term grab. And and what what you're really what you're alluding to is this idea of making short-term artificial value versus the idea behind Monero is like, well, people kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, if Monero does what it sets out to do, then that is inherently valuable to the world, which will reflect at some point with its actual value versus making something that's not really inherently valuable because it doesn't actually solve any particular use case and having to rely on gimmicks, which are short-lived and which you have to produce in continual supply. It's like a meme, right? A meme only lasts for so long and there, there's always has to be new memes to keep the population, you know, uh, entertained. And if you rely on the same meme for too long, then people are like, yeah, I saw that meme last month, right? So you have to continually produce new gimmicks to create artificial value for your coin because you know it doesn't have any actual inherent value on its own. Um, and this is actually a proven strategy in business in particular, right? Where we see this all the time, where there's a, a startup that has uh, really big ideals and a really big vision. And so they do really great stuff and they make a lot of money. Then they go public, they sell out, right? They, they sell to all the other, um, the, the original creator is now done. He sold out all of his shares to somebody else because they went public. And now the, um, the business is beholden to all of its shareholders who are thinking, okay, how do I sell out? How do I make my money? And so they start compromising little by little on their ideals for the sake of short-term money, short-term cash flow. And soon the company almost becomes in, unrecognizable in terms of it used to have a commitment to X, Y, and Z. You might look at something like Lyft, right? The, uh, the alternative car service to Uber, where Uber was like the big corporation and Lyft was like, yeah, well, we're kind of for the drivers type people, right? And then um, they went public. And so little by little, we're seeing them becoming a little more anti-driver, anti-driver. And this stuff is fascinating to watch for me, at least, right? This stuff is fascinating for me to watch in terms of when... At what point, almost what was the tipping point? And usually it's not just one particular thing, but you can look over the years. At what point did this corporation who had such high aspirations for changing the world, at what point did they start losing that in in an effort to make more money, just a a little bit more money? And it's, it's particularly important to read those things because then you can start looking for signs that this is happening in your community, in your neck of the woods, right? So then you can say, guys, wait, hold up, hold up. But if we do this, we are sacrificing X, Y, and Z. So, I mean, how do you how do you look at Bitcoin versus Monero in those terms? Do you think one is doing it better than the other? One is, or do you think they're both kind of the same in, in their in their purity of open source and having these similar incentive structures that kind of 
lead people to just want to create a utility? That's actually a very interesting question because and it's, it's very apt that you mentioned only Bitcoin because as I look throughout the cryptocurrency space, I only see Monero and Bitcoin that kind of have these things and haven't um, given to the man in some way or another, the, the metaphorical man, right? Um, I really see Monero and Bitcoin as the, as the only two dudes standing. And in some cases, um, I think Bitcoin does a lot of things better, but not necessarily because its culture is better, but just because it was first. As an example, a lot of infrastructure is being built around Bitcoin, not because people are being paid to do it, but because people are like, okay, I want to accept Bitcoin because I see that people are accepting Bitcoin. And so they're building infrastructure because they want to make money. Totally makes sense, right? Whereas with Monero, because we're smaller, not a lot of people are making money for us. We might have to say, hey, let's do a proposal so we can get somebody to make a WooCommerce extension so people can accept Monero rather than somebody making it themselves because they want to accept Monero. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we may have we may see some things needing to be kickstarted in a sense rather than it being naturally done. But that's because Monero is a little bit smaller. So when you compare the communities in that way, you see that Bitcoin has just that slight edge in terms of people who are passionate to make stuff about it without any sort of um, external um, stimulus besides their own self-interest. Um, whereas with Monero, not quite as much. But really, I, I do see Monero and Bitcoin kind of standing hand in hand in this sense, where I do see that 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 purity, that desire for, for something real, for something world-changing, um, as opposed to revolutionizing this industry or this industry with blockchain, which none of them actually will. Um, so it I, I see them. I see them very compatible. I see them very harmonious in that aspect. They they're the, we're the last two. I would say. And it's important mm -hmm. that we keep that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I, like a big part of it is just the fact that Bitcoin is twice the age of Monero mm -hmm. um, and has that network effect. So with the, you know, with the new, I, I always call it the forum funding system. Now, what's the new, I, what's the new name? I, is the community that, crowdfunding. The community system. crowdfunding system. So uh, do you see any, any changes being made to that? Any uh, like other than like little uh, UX things? I mean, do you see anything being done to it kind of on a larger level features that that may be added or it is what it is? This is this what we'll be using for quite some time in terms of uh, raising money for these projects? I would say this is what we have. Um, I I as it has been deployed several months ago, I am starting to see flaws in the system. I am starting to see, um, I'm, I was the one who kind of designed the whole flow and how it worked, not just the design of it, but like um, how it worked from top, works from top to bottom. And uh, man, the first week was pretty tough because I'm like, okay, this needs to be redone or this needs, this needs a lot of work. Um, I'd say what we have is fairly stable. There's a few bugs. Like as an example, I accidentally merged something. So it shows in funding required um, and I can't get rid of it because we didn't put a way to, delete a proposal once it was merged, which is a huge oversight on my part. But but like you said, that's more like a tweak thing, a quality of life type thing. In terms of large new features, I don't really see anything. Um, I think this is kind of what we have, unless there's a large, large system failure or unless there's like huge outcry for, for new features. Actually, most of the new features are included here when we had the form funding system and people said, well, we need QR codes or we need easy ways to access it. Well, you know, I take that back. One of the biggest things I think is that we're, we're hoping to plan to implement some sort of API where um, 
wallets themselves will be able to ping the server and ask what is available and kind of display that. Um, so when let's say you open your Minero your wallet or your cake wallet, if you choose to, if they choose to implement these these features, you can there can there can be a tab that says um things that need funding or proposals that need funding, right? And you can tap on that and it, it'll it, it'll give you an easy way to to donate to that from within your wallet. Oh, that's a great opposed, idea. And you, having, making it easy for a wallet to add that feature. Right, as oh, opposed to ha yeah. having, having them go to the website and then click on the thing. So so that, that's something that's that would kind of be in the works. And, uh, you know, once again, the cool thing, everything the Monero project does is open source. Like this forum funding system, this new uh, community crowdfunding system, it's open source. Anybody who wants to use it, any other cryptocurrency, any heck, if, if you want to start a business around like similar to a Patreon where you're able to or a Kickstarter where you're able to raise money for things or people or GoFundMe type things, right? You can use something like the form, the community crowdfunding system as a base. Is it going to require a lot of work and tweaking the use for your for your um, needs? Probably so, but you can use it as a base. Everything from the back end to the front end to everything in between is open source just because Monero is super committed to having to, to producing resources that anyone and everyone can use. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've had a lot of a lot of ideas, things that I may want want to try to put. I have I haven't done it yet, but things I may want to try to put up there one of these days. So I'll give it a go. I mean, at the show, we've been trying to avoid asking the community. I mean, we we have a donation address. Uh, we 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 hosted the New York City Monero after party, so that helped a little bit with raising funds. Mm -hmm. And then in Denver, we're trying to do the same thing. So we're trying to do it kind of in an organic way that way so that we don't have to, you know, kind of kind of offer something in return. Obviously, we're offering the show, but, you know, just rather than asking, but maybe mm -hmm. maybe it's a point. And I've also been I mean, I'll, I'll ask you for your advice now, actually, because we've been thinking like, uh, do we go and try to get sponsors for the show mm. or do we try to uh, ask the community to fund us? Because, I mean, we have a lot of ideas of how we could grow the show, things mm. we can do to help make it uh you know more professional um get a larger viewer base mm -hmm. um but that takes you know time effort money so i'm just trying to figure out do we take the steps of do we go to the community or do we try to partner with sponsors do you yeah. have a, any uh, advice opinion there sure and and before i actually give my opinion i'm going to take a step back because this is such an important conversation to have doug because actually one of the drawbacks of something that is so pure like monero in terms of open source ideology is that money almost becomes a bad word making money almost becomes kind of this bad idea that like well then you're selling out right then if, if you're not doing this if you're not doing this for free for the passion, if you're getting paid for it in some way by some person, then we become suspicious because now maybe Doug, let's say you get you get sponsored by a Blockstream equivalent or something like that, just to use some conspiracy that some people have, right? Then maybe you're not going to accept certain people on your show that would give an alternative viewpoint and they'll say, well, it's because they're sponsored by such and such business or by so-and-so, right? So there's always going to be the suspicion, where is the money coming from and what are the incentives going on behind those types of things? So it's, this is a very important conversation to have because the little guy who is trying to be passionate, who does want to continue making stuff, stuff like yourself, right? Monero Talk is a great, great show and I love watching you, what you guys do. Um, you, there is desire to not just grow what you're doing, but even maybe getting a little bit of compensation so you can continue doing this and it helps prevent against burnout because now you could tell yourself, yeah, but I'm actually making money and I'm having fun, right? And I get to keep doing this and do what I love. Um, so this is not a bad conversation to have. And just, I, I this is maybe a slightly unpopular uh, opinion to have in terms of the viewership who are watching and go, nim, 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 Diego's, 
shit goes wrong. Um, but they're idiots. They don't know any what they're talking about. So they're okay. Um, but it, it, this is a this is a very important conversation to have in terms of whoever you are, whatever you're making. Like it's okay to look for monetization. Um, monetization things. I would say the first and foremost thing before we even jump into advice about where you should get money is there needs to be a commitment to transparency. This is this goes so this goes such a long way in terms of uh, winning communities trust after monetization somehow is a commitment to transparency. <coughs> Excuse me, about where your money's coming from, what it's being used for and if there's any stipulations on you receiving this money. Right. Oh, I see. I see you choke up on the word transparency. It's so it's so <laughs> so antithetical to Monero. You can't even. <laughs> that was the, <laughs> did not mean for it to come out that way. But yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, it, it's so well. You know, the funny thing is, Monero is actually, despite being very private, right, and focused on privacy, Monero is, tries to be as transparent as possible in terms of how things are done internally and stuff like that. And yes. uh, just because we try, uh, we we want. That trust is there for a reason. That reputation is there for a reason. And we don't want to break that. Reputation is very important. And it's so slow to build. And it's so fast to just break. So first and foremost, I'd say, you know, um, transparency in, in, in your money flows and stuff. And the reason that community crowdfunding system type thing is very popular is because it's very easy to see where the money is coming from. And it allows you to stay pure. Right, because the community doesn't want their ad doesn't want advertisements in the show, and so if they give you money, then it allows you to make the the uh, the show with, without advertisements. And so, honestly, Doug, what I would say to you is this: you can totally ask for community money, go for it, and not just in terms of donation address, but a proposal if if you think that that is necessary. And if the community is unable or unwilling to give this money, there is no shame in looking at alternative sources, right? And there, sh there shouldn't be any shame in looking for alternative sources. Um, I guess, um, like, like you said, in terms of sponsors for the show or, um, and being very transparent with them and with the community. Like if you buy this package or whatever, then you get this, that, and the other thing. And I... <sighs> nobody likes listening to advertisements. That's, you know, nobody likes watching them or, or seeing them on their screen and using the ad block and all this different type of stuff, right? But people have to make money somehow, man. You know, people have to make yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and not even so, you know, not to not to sound like uh, a complete idealist here, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, I really do look at it as as helping Monero, right? So the bigger this show gets, uh, the more we're essentially spreading the good word of Monero, right? Mm. So, I mean, right now we're really catering to a purely Monero audience. Uh, there's things I'd like to do to kind of get get the word out beyond uh just the people that frequent the reddit and you know things like that uh and help get the message out there and just yeah. help grow monero so i kind of see it as uh I, if, if i can make the show bigger i could help grow monero it's uh, monero itself so that's kind of well, my incentive there one of the ways is you can partner with cypher market and cypher market can <laughs> sell merchandise for monero talk and you get a percentage of all the bloody bloody blah, -de -blah, -de -blah. Anyway, we'll talk later. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, but, that's good. That's good but, too. But yeah, man, like, um, yeah, in terms of sponsors, I think there's a lot of people that are willing that are willing and excited to see cryptocurrency infrastructure grow, um, and that are excited to see this type of message get out there in, in a whole bunch of various ways in various platforms. So it's it, it is going to be a good amount of work, especially for people that are not well versed in cryptocurrencies and are wondering, well, how, why would I invest in something like this? And the, unfortunately, if you're just looking within cryptocurrency circles, it's almost like the money is just exchanging hands in a circle. 
right? The sponsors give to these guys who buy from these specific businesses who accept cryptocurrency, who become sponsors for this. So everything kind of stays within the thing as opposed to external people coming in. And I really think that's what we, when we're talking about growth, we're not talking about stealing from one cryptocurrency community to another. That's kind of horizontal growth, right? Because plus one here, but minus one here, which is a net zero, as opposed to external people coming in where it's just pluses and pluses, you know? Um, and so I think that's one of the, the big things is that, that a lot of us are, are really missing out on is when we're talking about let's grow Monero, we're not talking about, maybe some people are talking about, but it shouldn't necessarily be getting Dash people to become Monero people or getting Bitcoin people to come and become Monero people. I mean, if they do, that's great. Sure. You know, more hands, more volunteers, more all that stuff. It's always welcome. But really, when we're talking about growth and adoption and stuff, it's getting people who don't know about this stuff who to become interested to use to start using Monero, then maybe they start using other open source software and they start supporting other open source software, right? So, yeah, I guess that'd be my uh, okay, yeah, no, good, yeah. I'm, I'm, we're trying to stay pure to kind of the, the PBS, you know, let's be the PBS of, uh, of, of Monero here. Um, yeah, so I guess this is a good time to segue into other topics because uh, we're, we're trying to throw the, the party in Denver. Yeah. Uh, as as a way to kind of help maybe raise some funds for flying out to Denver, doing the show there. And it is a lot of work. Like when we did the Magical Crypto Conference, but that was in New York and we're New York based. So, mm. you know, we got we got the free ticket to go there and then we put in a ton of work, but it was like it wasn't a big, you know, a big investment. It was just right. kind of showing up. Um, but now it's like we're going out to Denver. It starts, you know, it starts to add up. You got to get, you got to get, you got to rent the place. You got to fly out there. Mm -hmm. Um so that's why we're throwing the part. We, we rented a we rented a house, and then the idea is to get people that are, you know are going to be in town. They could come stay at the house, kind of make like a you know Monero house party at one point. I think we'll have it on the Friday night before the conference. And I know this now kind of leads into also what's going on at the Monero Village in DefCon. Mm -hmm. Similar concept. All these things kind of being open source in nature, right? So. Do you want to do you want to talk about uh, Monero Village at DefCon? Yeah, man, it's shaping up to be pretty exciting. For those who don't know, we had a village in DefCon last year, and it was very successful. There was many times where we were just wall to wall people, way over what we should have been in terms of how many people can be allowed safely by the fire marshal people in one room. Uh, <clears throat> and so we were so successful that. DEFCON, first of all, allowed us to come back for a second year, which is already awesome, but they gave us a bigger room, which is awesome number two, right? Um, and before as well, we were sharing with uh, BCOS, the blockchain uh, uh, open security, whatever, whatever they are, blockchain open security. And now we're kind of, they, they've kind of rebranded to the blockchain village and they're doing their own thing elsewhere. We got our, and so they got their own room and we got our own room. So we can do whatever we want without having to, to, um, work with anybody else regarding those types of things. So the Monero Village is, is looking to be bigger and better in terms of content, in terms of what we're able to do, that kind of thing. And it, it's, it's very exciting. It's looking very exciting so far. A um, couple of speed bumps, a couple of hiccups, but um, that's just the way that DEF CON is. It's fairly chaotic. And oftentimes you don't know what's going to happen until you're actually there. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, I can't tell you how fun it was last year. There's so many people who come in and they're like, either what is Monero or I think I've heard of Monero, but I'm not really sure. How does it compare to Bitcoin? And we talked with so many people, with so many people. And there was some guys that were so impressed with us. They just did nothing but stay in the village. They like for, they forsook the rest of DEF CON 
which is a huge and really cool. I just sat in the Monero village for like the whole time, just because they were so interested, listening to all of our talks and talking with all of our people. It was a great time. Um, it was at the time when I got to see a lot of the people face to face for the first time that I didn't know. And I think this is something that is sometimes missed in open source is this, the, the necessity of camaraderie among the people, right? Especially the core people that continue to work on this kind of thing. It helps keeps us in high spirits. It helps keeps us keep going and yeah, not out so much. Definitely. It's so like the New York, when we threw the New York part, just meeting everybody. I mean, even just like those 10 minute, 15 minute conversations you have with people just goes, I mean, that's human nature, right? You like yeah. feel, you see somebody in person, you feel them out you get to, you know, like, all right, we're, we're all on the same page here. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's tons and tons of fun. Honestly, those were like my favorite memories from the Vegas DEF CON is just either after the, after the time period or, you know, in, in the setup period when we're all just hanging out and stuff. So that, that's actually very important as well. And so some people might say, so wait, why are we spending money so our Monero people can go just hang out with each other, right? That's not what we're trying to do. I, I, Obviously, that's not what we're doing because we're also running a village. But I would actually say that that is more important than people realize in terms of keeping um, high morale and um, we all just keep going. But that isn't all that we're doing. We're going to run a village. It's going to be awesome. And if you're going to DEF CON, whoever you are, viewer on the other side of the screen, you should check us out because we're going to be doing some pretty fun stuff. We're going to have bigger giveaways. We're going to have bigger speeches. We're going to have bigger um, uh, people. (laughs) I find it hard to believe that like the entire DEFCON community isn't aware of Monero. I've I've heard that from other people as well. I mean, what's the disconnect there? What's the... At this point, probably everybody's heard of Bitcoin, right? And and I guess some, a lot of people will probably be, have heard of Monero. So I guess the idea is that this isn't a cryptocurrency conference. This is a hacker conference and hacker people could be cryptography people. They can be internet people, you know, they could be, um, from all sorts of different places and doing all sorts of different things. And a lot of the people are often shocked to find out that a lot of Geeks, tech nerds, um, hacker types actually don't like cryptocurrency. There's a fair amount of the, the hacker community that is anti-cryptocurrency because they think it's bad for the environment. Um, like KeePassXE, which um, produces a, a password manager, um, which I use. They don't really like the the lead designer is actually the lead developer is actually not super. He's anti-cryptocurrency. He thinks it's bad for the environment. He uh, he thinks it's not very useful. So. You know, and he's part of the open source community, but not everybody's all on board. So that that's that's very interesting. First of all, is that some people know about it and are against it. Um, there's a good amount of people that know about it, but have never really dipped their foot in. I think for most of us, we kind of understand we can't do. We have limited time. We can't do everything because I'm working on Monero stuff. I don't have time to work on other things that maybe I have heard about and sound interesting, right? And in, um, like like organic chemistry. I love organic chemistry, um, but I don't have the time to do. Um, to to look at organic chemistry stuff and learn more as much as I might like to. So I have to forgo some things um, to keep doing what I like to do uh, most of all, which is this Monero stuff. And so really something like DEF CON allows these people who don't have the time to say, you know what? I'm already here. The Monero village is right there. I might as well go in and just get a little, get a little taste of what this actually means. And we got a good amount of those people who were like, yeah, I know a little bit of what you guys are about. And it's always very interesting. I've just never had the time to look into that kind of thing. And those were the funnest conversations to have. We just sat down and started talking with these people. And because a lot of that open source um, idealism is already there inside of them, right? Some stuff just connects. Some stuff just 
hits in all the right places. Whereas it's very funny in a cryptocurrency conference, the, the cryptocurrency part connects with them, but not a lot of the open source ideologies that we talked about just because that's not what they're used to. They're used to ICO culture. So talking with hacker conference people is different than talking with cryptocurrency conference people. Right. There you're connecting on the open source nature as opposed right. to the cryptocurrency nature. So are there are there things you guys are going to do different this time where to kind of um, increase the outreach to to these people at DEF CON? Yeah, I mean, we, you're, you're, you're throwing the party. You, you have the Monero Village. You're throwing the party. Uh, are you guys thinking about what you can do uh, to kind of increase the outreach? Yeah. So last year, we learned a lot of lessons in terms of we brought... X amount of bulletins, or we brought X amount of flyers. Uh, uh, sorry, not bulletins, brochures. Same thing, I guess. Right? We we brought a certain amount of these, and we ended up at the end with more of this than this. Or these things went like crazy. Okay, so maybe we should get more of those type things. So not just in like logistics maximizing um, potential, but we're also talking about okay, like we we had very specific issues because we had a small room. Um, we had talks that it was hard to hear because there were so many good conversations going on throughout the floor about Monero. When the speaker was giving his speeches, sometimes it was hard to hear um, because just everybody was talking all at the same time. So, um, and uh, as well, a lot of things are being redesigned as, as the brochure is being redesigned because some things are different. We'll actually have Mastering Monero, several copies of that book there. Um, we didn't have that last year. We kind of had inclinations that this was being developed, but now we have this thing, which is a great beginner's resource to potentially hand out or sell or whatever the case may be uh, to people as they come. And uh, as well, we didn't really have time for like shirts or we had some shirts, right? But we didn't have a lot of time for giveaways and... Um, <clears throat> There, there's new issues like last year defcon was over two hotels now it's over three hotels really yeah okay. and so so getting from place to place is and the, the hotels are massive let me tell you the hotels are absolutely massive so getting from place to place is not quick and so because it's, it's going to span three hotels you know let's say you want to watch a talk in the monero village but after it ends, there's like a five minute, 10 minute gap to another talk in another hotel that you want to watch for the lock picking village or whatever the case may be. Like, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for people in that way. So, um, and even in terms of our scheduling, we're trying to see, okay, how can we make it so it's most accessible to all these different people? Um, so yeah, we're going to, we're trying, I guess this year is all about maximizing what we learned from last year. Before we make any major gigantic changes, we learned a lot of lessons from last year. We're going to try to optimize and improve on those lessons and see where we land this year. And then after this year is done, we'll say, okay, is there anything drastic that needs to be done in terms of changing for next year? Or is this mostly, uh, was this mostly okay? Is this where we wanted to go? Oh, I guess one of the big things is um, DEF CON themselves provided video recording and audio recording uh, for our speeches. And the end result was 
much less than we would have preferred in terms of quality. So one of the things we're trying to do for this DEF CON is purchase our own AV equipment. Uh, and there is a CCS proposal right now in the ideas section that you should go look at that is talking about purchasing these supplies and how much it's going to be. CCS.getmonero.org. Go check out that proposal and you can comment on that because we want to be able to purchase our own camera, our own these types of things, right? So that way we can record this stuff ourselves so that we can hopefully have a higher caliber than we had. Because if you go search the DEF CON Monero, village um it is unfortunately not up to this um yeah I remember, I remember i was trying to tune into what was going on there i think stuff didn't it took a long time for the videos to even come out right yep. and they, they were yeah. dark and grainy and the sound yeah. was echoey and it was like eh, okay i mean we'll, we'll we'll we're we're trying to attend as well i mean we're not um you know we're not bringing in super high-tech equipment but right. we will be trying to upgrade our equipment actually too uh, we hope to have a better show at the Denver Con than we did at MCC. MCC was awesome. Oh. Like we, you know, we interviewed a ton of people, but like our our tech was pretty uh was pretty was pretty uh abysmal. But um, at Denver, we have somebody else helping us out, and then we're definitely coming. We're going to try to come to you know uh, DefCon. Uh, but our goal would really be to just kind of do interviews. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so interview all the people that are there and just kind of keep live streaming all day long yeah i mean uh what do you think of that that's sh that should help get the word out a little bit right yeah, no, that sounds that sounds like tons of fun it sounds like something that'd be very yeah. very useful and people that aren't there to get to to be able to see who is there and and feel like they're a part of being a part of it and stuff so that yeah that exactly sounds awesome all right, cool, man. What else? Uh, what else we got to talk about here? I think we, uh... Nothing else, dude. I just wanted to rant a little bit. I got I got things to do. It's already five ten over here. How the chickens? I, I yeah, I bought chickens recently. I have six chickens now, and I only got one egg today. As a, I usually get three. The chickens are kind of super stressed because of the move, and they're they're becoming unstressed. But today was only one, so we're gonna. I got to see what's up with those chickens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, this is good. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug the the Denver Monero House again. Uh, I'm really hoping we can get some get some people to come stay with us. I think that'll be cool. Uh, if you're in town for the, you are gonna be there, right? You're definitely gonna be there for Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come see at the Denver conference. Awesome, dude. Come by the house. Come by the party. And uh, it was good talking to you. Anything else you want to uh, get out there? No, that's it. Thanks for indulging my self-importance and come, wanting to come and rant about open source ideology and stuff on here. No problem, man. Anytime. All right, man. I'll catch you later. All right. Talk to you later.